Hey, this is John Horner Jacobs, author of Southern Gods and This Dark Earth. Check out Booked with the two most handsome men on the internet. Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Uh, this week's episode, we're going to do a review of the Richard Thomas book, Staring into the Abyss. Uh, anything special about this uh, this week, this recording we're doing? Well, I don't know how many holidays in a row we've recorded, because, I mean, we definitely got, like, Groundhog's Day and April Fool's Day, and I think it was, like, Memorial Day or something. But anyway, Mother's Day. It's Mother. Happy Mother's Day, Rob. <laughs> Memorial's Day is like in a week or two. But anyway, uh, Easter and Orthodox Easter and, yep. yeah, Happy Mother's but, Day, Olivia's. Well, I mean, we we birthed this podcast. Now, I don't know anything about childbirth <laughs> from a woman's standpoint, but I got to tell you, there were times where there were some pains in some pretty odd places from trying to, to squeeze this guy out onto the internet. Oh, man. I mean, yeah, I was on bed rest for like... <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. Three weeks. and you know what? I'll tell you that cream, that cream for stretch marks, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't. I'm ruined. Yeah, yeah. this so, temple is ruined. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> anyway, happy Mother's Day, um, belated <laughs> Mother's Day. By the time you're listening to this, if you're a mother or a mother-like person, um, but yeah, <laughs> speaking of mothers, just generally matronly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speaking of mothers, though, Richard Thomas. Hmm. Okay. Well, he's. Kind of he's got a mother. He is a he pr- he's a parent, so he is married to a mother. Apparently. Oh, all right. Oh, we should probably <laughs> just get right into talking about Richard. All right. So a little bit about Richard Thomas for anybody who hasn't listened to like half of the episodes of this podcast. <sighs> just got to prepare myself. This looks big. Richard Thomas is the author of three books: his debut novel Transubstantiate. And two short story collections, Herniated Roots and Staring into the Abyss, which we're going to be talking about tonight. He has published over 75 stories online and in print, including the Shivers 6 Anthology with Stephen King and Peter Straub, Pank, Gargoyle, Weird Fiction Review, Midwestern Gothic, Arcadia, Paranoir, Word Riot, 3AM Magazine, and Opium. He's won contests at Cheezine, One Buck Horror, and Jotspeak, and has received five Pushcart Prize nominations to date. He's also the editor of two anthologies, both out in 2014, The Lineup and Burnt Tongues, uh, which is with Chuck Palahniuk. Uh, In his spare time, he is a featured book critic at The Nervous Breakdown, as well as a columnist at Lit Reactor. He is represented by Paula Munier Munier, at the Talcott Notch Literary Agency. All right, I saved you trouble. Uh, 13 of the 75 stories that he's published is, is what's mentioned on, on here, just in case. <laughs> Which is still, I think, I think technically that's probably a little better than Keaton did because Keaton was like 20%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true. So, so. Um, but the book, the collection, now that we're done picking on Richard, um, is Staring into the Abyss, and here is the synopsis. In this collection of short stories, Richard Thomas shows us in dark, layered prose the human condition in all of its beauty and dysfunction. A man sits in a high tower making tiny, mechanical birds longing for the day when he might see the sky again. A couple spends an evening in an underground sex club where jealousy and possession are the means of barter. 
A woman is victimized as a child and turns that rage and vengeance into a lifelong mission only to self-destruct and become exactly what she battled against. These 20 stories will take you into the darkness and sometimes bring you back. But now and then, there is no getting out. The lights have faded, the pitch black wrapping around you like a festering blanket of lies. What will you do now? It's eat or be eaten, so bring a strong stomach and a hearty appetite. All right. Eat or be eaten. I think we've already decided you would just be eaten, right? I would just be, yeah, especially if it's zombies. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it was really hungry people, I might fight it out, but I don't know about zombies, man. <laughs> if, it's like, if it's like the people who get to a buffet early and wait in line outside, yeah, then you might fight. I'd take those bitches out any day. There you go. <laughs> so as with other anthologies, we should probably mention why we're doing these short story collections, right? Like back to back. Um, it's short story month. Yeah, that's right. So anybody who's not familiar with the history of this podcast, at least one of us was not a fan of short stories a little over two years ago when we started. Hell, even two years ago, one of us was probably still not much of a fan of short stories. And um, kind of fittingly, one of the people who set out to, to, to save us um, and bring us around to the light of short stories was Richard Thomas. So I think it's fitting that during short story month we review a collection of his short stories because he cared so much about making us uh like short stories dude i didn't even think about that but now you mentioned that's right he really pushed on the short stories he, didn't he the dude took it like personally like not in a way that where he was offended but like in a way where he's like i gotta save these guys like he you know he put his yeah. heart into it he really did he did and thank you thank you mr thomas that's if right. you're listening so. that's right so don't take offense when we hate your collection you did this you did this uh yeah there's no bitterness there all right so we've each picked three um standout stories stories that uh, were very appealing to us for one reason or another to talk about um rob would you like to go first uh yeah sure um just to get started i'm just going to run through in the order they appeared in the book not necessarily the order uh that i like them most toward the beginning there's a story called freedom which essentially is a story about uh, a guy that's kind of down and out and um, self-destructive and nothing really good is going on in his life. And, and uh, so he's cutting himself and he's just t- pretty much describes his shitty apartment living situation and everything. And he's cutting himself and, and he knows the people in his life are trying to, you know, acknowledging how crappy his life is and they want to help him um and then randomly this uh this prostitute knocks on his door asking for someone who obviously doesn't live there and um there's a little bit of a transaction that takes place uh which may or may not change his outlook on things yeah it's it's an interesting story and where richard really delivers on that is um in that kind of feeling of despair so that that protagonist, it's it's really really easy to kind of put yourself in his place and just kind of feel the the despair kind of you know wafting off of him. So I think that that's a mm-hmm. uh, it'd be interesting to see where that story goes. And that's one of the issues that I, I had with short stories and still do to some extent. I really like that story, but it, it kind of leaves you wanting more. And you know that's it. That's the end of the it's the end of the ride. Yeah, for sure. So, but that's um, probably the sign of a good short story that I actually want to know what happens next. Exactly. And um, I don't know if this is more revealing. Of, I don't know if this is revealing about me or not, but um, 
reading that story, I imagine in detail that this guy is living in the apartment that I lived in in Vermont um, before moving back to Chicago. And I wasn't very happy in Vermont. And so I think that the, the, the mood of the story put me in a setting that my, you know, that matched a mood that I had at one point. So that was kind of cool. How much better would your life have been if a hooker with a heart of gold showed up at your door? That's what I'm saying. Nobody ever sent a hooker to my apartment to try and cheer me up. Guys, yeah. take notes. If I'm ever sounding a little bit sad. <laughs> <laughs> That's one good way to fix this. Hooker. Um, can, can I ask you, do they have hookers in Vermont? Like where you uh, lived? Were there hookers? Here's Okay, here's the thing about don't underestimate the small town northeast mm-hmm. because um, I was thinking it was going to be some idyllic, you know, uh, perfect small town kind of, you know, you know, thing, situation. But you know what they had in, in, in southeastern Vermont? Hookers? No hookers that I saw, but there okay. were juggalos. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. That's worse than having hookers. Hookers provide a service. Hookers are actually a necessity. I don't necessarily think that... Um, <laughs> that God damn it, I can't I can't even go on. I just Googled hookers in Vermont. <laughs> God damn it. www.vermonthookers.net You oh, can no. date hookers online. It, I'm sorry, Rob. <laughs> I, this this may be behind the scenes stuff. Can we get the can you go to this website? Hold on. <laughs> what is it? Vermonthookers.net. Of course it's dot net. Oh good. Can we have this picture posted on our website somewhere? <laughs> not 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 like the main one for the episode, but um, <laughs> we're gonna see what we can do to get Rob to get this picture on there oh. so you can see what hookers in Vermont look like and why we never sent one to you. Oh Rob, hang on. Just FYI. Oh, this is so sad. Search Vermont hookers by county. <laughs> oh. This is so sad. Oh, yeah, this just pulls up an adult chat thing. This is total... <laughs> oh, God. I'm crying right now. This is so funny. Oh, all right. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to edit that. But <laughs> I think I might just leave all of it in because it's hilarious. <laughs> okay. uh, so, um... I guess, moral of the story, I don't know if there's hookers in Vermont, but there are juggalos, which was a big surprise to me. <laughs> I'm going to search Illinois hookers. <laughs> VermontHookers.net I am uh, definitely looking for IllinoisHookers.net. Not nothing's coming up. Damn it. Well, do you have do you have 1999? We could probably register that website. That's true. All right. Uh, <laughs> so that's <laughs> uh, that's the first story that I I wanted to talk about. Livius, what do you have? Um. So my my first story I want to talk about is called Paying Up. Um, Really hard story to talk about because I don't want to give anything away. But basically it's about a guy who goes to a strip club. And again, there's a ton of emotion. So Richard does really, really well with emotion. So I don't know what kind of trials and tribulations this poor guy has been through. But when there's someone sad, and we, we ran into this and warmed and bound, and we've read other things by Richard that were the same way, he does sad emotion really, really, really well. So I don't want to say too much about the story. It's very, very short. It's probably one of the shortest ones in the collection, if memory serves correctly. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's about a dude who goes to a strip club and, and the reason, the mission he's on while he's there. Yeah, and it's not sad in the way that you would expect a dude going to a strip club is sad, which is like, you know, pathetic like, like sad. Sitting, <laughs> like sitting in your apartment in Vermont waiting for hookers to show up. Sad. <laughs> Why didn't anybody show me that website like two years ago? <laughs> um, yeah, it's not sad in the way you would expect it is, and that's uh, that's why it's it's got the impact that it does. Yeah. So again, it, ugh, the shorter the story, the harder it is to talk about at any length. So there you go. Yeah. All right. Um, next story I'd like to talk about is called Underground Wonderbound, which uh, beyond having kind of a cool title. Uh, interesting content. So far, we've talked about prostitutes and strippers. Let's talk about an S&M club. So essentially, this story is a guy who's got, uh, it sounds like, I think it's a first date or someone he's been dating for a very little amount of time. Um, and he takes her to like an S&M kind of swingers club, um, which I think it, it seems like it's more of like a buffet style swingers club because it's not like just like a bunch of, um, you know, bondagey stuff. There's also furries that are there, um, and and some other kind of fetishy things, uh, <laughs> and yeah. So the whole idea is that he takes her there, and it's playing on trust issues and jealousy and stuff like that. Can I just say that? Um, so when we read these collections, uh, I, I try to make like little one line notes for each story, just as a as a refresher for both of us of what the story is, because the names don't always, you know, really make you recall the whole story and then this one apparently so you've seen all these typos online like you know like autocorrect typos Mm -hmm. this one says a man takes his lay to an s&m swingers (laughs) club that was supposed to say lady Uh, i only now figured out that you didn't do lay on purpose yes because i'm looking at that and i'm like did rob change that and i'm like no i remember his lady because it was very like you said kind of nondescript on who she is right you know didn't specifically say wife or you know so yeah, that wasn't supposed to be lay, but but the gist of it is that's exactly what it was. So, a very sexy story from Richard Thomas. Um, uh, a part that stuck out for me, and I want to know if this re- uh, landed with you, like or resonated with you the way it did for me. Um, the part where she talks about um, someone's got like a like if there's a horse tail or some sort of tail. <laughs> mm-hmm. You understand the. Yes. Logistics of okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. No. I. I, I got that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. One of the the workers. Um. The the woman. The lay. <laughs> notices that. Um, <laughs> the lay. It's like she's got a horse's tail. How does she hold it up there? Basically. And the guy's like, yeah. Oh yeah, I don't really want to have to explain this to you. So use your imagination. But again, I will say, you know, kind of a sexy story from from Richard Thomas. Um. Do you think sex clubs like that really exist? <sighs> That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I'm sure we could find a link on uh, Vermont. Oh, yeah, Hookers. let's look for Vermont. Net. Yeah, no, let's just look for Vermont Underground Sex Clubs.net and see what comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Vermont. I just wasn't doing it right. Um, yeah. No, I don't know. I, I, I here's the thing. I bet think places like that do exist, but I don't think it's like all right. So you know how, and I'm realizing over time now that pretty much every reference I make to a movie is the second Matrix movie. Or one of the Matrix movies. But did you watch all of them? I did. Okay. So I think it was the third Matrix movie. Or really any of them where there's a there's a club 
They're mm. all wearing rubber and like, you know, like gas masks and they're all like, you know, half naked and everything. I don't mm-hmm. think it's anything like like where everybody is super pretty and weird. I think it's a bunch of funky, fugly looking people that are <laughs> that's yeah, that's kind of what I was getting. At. <laughs> and then to be really honest with you, if it's all the fugly people like you just said, then that place isn't as cool. E- even the setting isn't going to be as cool because nope. you know then there's going to be like donuts on tables and you know and, and just kind of it, like it's never going to be that place. That place that's in the movies. I mean, I question just the nightclubs. Anytime I see a movie and you see the super cool nightclub, yeah. I'm pretty sure that they like you know rent out a warehouse and dress up their own nightclub, but that nightclub doesn't exist. Right? It doesn't. Never, yeah, never. Yeah, because I've never seen a place like that. You know what those clubs are? I, I had this epiphany while you were talking. The people that go to these underground sex underground sex clubs that we're talking about, mm-hmm. they're the people that work at the Renaissance Fair, or <laughs> so at the winter like, time. <laughs> they have to have indoor <laughs> They got They need a place to to weird out. Or uh, like live action role players, like those type of people. Those are the people that are uh, in underground underground sex clubs. I own a gas mask. <laughs> well, can I tell you my gas mask story? Of course. So I'm in this thrift store years ago with my girlfriend, and and they had like an area of the thrift store that was like the high end stuff. Like that was like antiquey, and and the prices on things were were like much higher. So I, I kind of wander in there, just kind of poking around and looking, and, and I see this box, and it's a very nondescript box, white, with the lid closed, and I open it up, and there's a gas mask, and I go, holy crap, this is really cool, it's a gas mask, well, I close it, and all the prices are handwritten, I really couldn't make out what this said, I, I thought it might be like $18, and I was like, man, this is a gas mask, it looks new, looks really cool, this would be a great piece just to have, you know, so I go up to the front where there's a rather large African-American woman, um, at the counter <laughs> and I go was her I name go, Anita Johnson her name was not Anita Johnson I don't know it might have been I don't I didn't ask but I said excuse me can you tell me how much this is and she kind of looks at the label and she opens the box and goes what is it and I go it's a gas mask and she goes oh and she looks back again she's like eight dollars and I was like eight dollars like thinking this is a really good value and then she looks at the at the box again at me and she goes how about three dollars and I was like, sold. <laughs> so she managed to talk herself down. I would have paid eighteen. She oh, went to eight. I, I went to three. Yeah. But she, she just looked at she looked at me and she was like, What is it? And after I told her it was a gas mask, she just looked at me like there was something wrong with me throughout the rest of this transaction. So anyway, Well, it yeah, was I probably like mask. the amount of like excitement that you were showing because it sounds like <laughs> even like when you explained <laughs> it, your <laughs> voice sounded more excited when you were talking about it. And you know me, that doesn't happen very often. No, never. Yeah, so I was very excited about the gas mask and the fact that I paid <laughs> three bucks for it. So, you still have so, it? Uh, um, yes, I do. As a matter of fact, the next time Richard and I are hanging out, I'm going to ask him if he can take me to one of these places that I can wear that and he can wear his, his rubber suit. His gimp. Do you think he has a gimp costume? Yes. Why is it called a gimp costume? From Pulp Fiction. Did you just watch that movie? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Bring I guess, out the yeah. gimp. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, boy, we just can't. So here's what Richard Thomas stories do. They inspire conversation. Apparently. Because we spend 15 seconds talking about a story, and then we're on to hookers in Vermont and gas masks transactions. You know what the, where the term <laughs> for somebody in a Off-season Renaissance Fair nightclubs. <sighs> you might have a story in there. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I believe it's, uh, it's uh, my turn to go here, right? Do it. All right, this one. 
we're going to be really, really hard-pressed to come up with something uh, weird and funny to talk about. 20 Reasons to Stay and One to Leave. Um, again, a very, very short story. And, and in some ways, I think that this is where Richard really, really excels. Because again, the emotional punch you can get out of these very short stories is uh, is very impressive. Um, the, the title explains it all. It, it's a man um, who you know, probably shouldn't be in this relationship anymore. And he, he tells us all the reasons that he's staying and, and the one reason he needs to leave. And it's done in that in that fashion. It's basically 21 kind of statements revolving around his his uh, his married life. Yeah. And like Livia said, this is one of the things I dig about Richard is when he wants to just just assault you with sadness, he has no trouble doing it. And, um, you know, he does it in a way. We've talked about really, really sad stuff before. Rob Roberts does, does. We just talked about him, emotion, really well. I don't know if anybody has trumped Pelavia in the in the just overall sadness uh, category, but Richard's really coming up behind her really close. Um, I am going to suggest that that might be a Donnie booked right there. Ooh. Might have to have saddest, <laughs> saddest, saddest story. So nice, but yeah, that's that's really uh, again in, in some of these ones that that's really where where the the payoff is, for sure. All right, my last of three that I want to talk about a little departure from what we've been talking about so far. It's not super sad or crazy kinky. Uh, it's a little bit I don't want to say goofy. It's just kind of hmm, I'm trying to think. It's like kind of like a what if kind of story where it's it, it it's structured where it, it's in a real life scenario with real life people um but just really weird so it's called stephen king ate my brain and um it's a story about how richard thomas travels to maine where stephen king lives and has based a lot of his stories uh just for a chance to maybe get to meet him but you know to, to just visit this kind of legendary location and um the interaction goes very differently than he was expecting based on the title i'm sure you can kind of infer some stuff <laughs> yeah. I, I will say that there's a little bit of a, a foreshadowing in, in the title there um, yeah the reason that i'm just getting over how you very very calmly said that the uh, that richard thomas travels to maine <laughs> Um, one of the reasons, and, and my note actually says Richard because that I believe is the character's name in that yeah. uh, in that story. So it is. I think it's fair to say that that is actually an autobiographical um, story. There, um, yeah, it, it's it's clever. It's uh, like you said, it, it's there isn't even a genre other than like bizarro that that could like fall into. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a little chuckle worthy. Uh, even the title is is uh, very standout because you read the rest of them, and like you said, this one. You, you you think to yourself like, oh, this is probably a story about Stephen King eating somebody's brain. Nah, it's probably not. No, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> like, that's like, you know what I mean? Yep. That's my first thought. I was like, really? This is a story about that? And I'm like, nope, this has to indicate some this this has to be indicative of something else in the story. Nope, it's right there. That's what it is. But the thing that I love about this story is that it's just so uh casual. Like uh the whole the the whole setup in the beginning where he travels it, it's just so fanboyish and and I feel like it's exactly how Richard Thomas would or really any big Stephen King fan would act if they were going to make this kind of pilgrimage to to visit Stephen King's um, you know 
you know, estate or whatever you want to call it. So it's just so unassuming and, and kind of true to what I think that journey would be. And then it just takes this turn and it, dude, you just, it's so easy to go along with this really weird ride. I've seen Richard Thomas's bookshelf. Um, and there are a whole lot of Stephen King books in, in, in that. Yeah. 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 So. Oh man. I told him that my uncle has, I think not one, but two copies of rage, which is like probably the most rare, uh, Stephen King book that exists. And he was like, mm-hmm. immediately, he's like, how much does he want for one? There yeah. you go. Uh, and my third and final story we're going to discuss, um, I want to preface before I even go into this one. So um, the stories I picked were were pretty normal from the standpoint of they could happen to anybody. But one of the things I haven't talked a lot about is that Richard um, manages to create some some worlds, some some events throughout the course of some of these stories and uh, victimized. The, the final story I want to talk about is one of them. It's the longest story in the collection. It's actually available. I think it's still available as a Kindle single. Um, this isn't the first time I read it. I did read it in its um, solo kind of novella format um, a while ago. But uh, it's uh, a time in the future where um, punishment for crimes has changed a little bit, where guilty parties who have committed um, crimes against actual victims, it seems like they're, they're physical violence or murder, that type of thing, um, are given the option to take their sentence, which you know could be life in prison or the electric chair or whatever, or face the victim or family of the victim in basically like kind of like a MMA mixed martial arts kind of arena. Like Thunderdome, basically. Like Thunderdome, yes. If I knew what that meant, I would probably agree with you wholeheartedly. <laughs> There's all I know about Thunderdome is Tina Turner. That's it. <laughs> so. Sure. Um, but yeah, so it's uh, it's about this woman who is preparing to face off against the man who victimized her in the Thunderdome in the Thunderdome the Thunderdome is where Michael Paul Gonzalez hosts his uh, website right that is correct no uh (laughs) I totally lost my train of thought because I started thinking about Thunderdome mag.com little plug there uh yeah uh we don't need another hero that's the Tina Turner song from (laughs) from that movie all I I mean that was that was a movie that came out when I was really young so Mm -hmm. yeah Tina Turner and like there was a midget and some pigs ate the midget eventually or something. I don't remember a lot about it. But the whole thing was two men enter, one man leaves. Like, basically, it's like a fight to the death kind of thing. And that's mm-hmm. kind of why I said it. Because, like, in the story, um, there's it's not that there's no rules, but, like, there's not a going too far, it seems like. Like, you could kill the person, and that's just the result of, you know, there's no punishment for that that type of thing. Yes. Yes. So yes. Um, which anyway, I, I thought it was just kind of cool because he built a future um, which is very very similar to ours, but you know, with one weird twist for criminals and more so for for victims. So, and I thought that uh, I thought that was done very very well. But he has a number of stories in here that are futuristic or, or slightly, you know, sci-fi. Um, um, what's the term I'm looking for? Urban, urban. Magical realism? Magical realism, thank you. Um, There's a few of them in here that that are like that, and it's something that I don't think we've really touched on very much through the course of talking about our standout stories. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that stands out about this collection and Richard in general is that there's such a variety of styles of story. Um, 
and just different ways of writing stuff. There's one that's kind of a choose your own adventure. Uh, he does kind of fantasy stuff, really, you know, futuristic. Um, I guess like almost cyberpunk-ish kind of stuff. Uh, it, it's it's all over them. I mean, noirish, basic crime thriller type stuff. Um, but it all, it's not like it doesn't, you know, it's not like it clashes. It all seems to kind of have an over like an overall like an overall layer of Richard Thomas with different types of story styles and genres and stuff weaved in there. Yes, agreed. A layer of Richard Thomas. I said that. <laughs> I'm just going to let it go, <laughs> I just want that to marinate a little bit. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I'll take that cheeseburger on the side of Richard Thomas. <laughs> uh. Um so I only have a couple of highlights, uh, highlighted passages, uh, mostly because I had to read this on a PDF, which did not lend itself to uh, my normal, my normal um, marking. So, do you have anything you want to? I've got two, I've do? got two notes, and uh, yeah, the reason or quotes, I guess, and the reason again, same with me, is that it's a PDF, and um, yeah, that's it. The PDF kills any. <laughs> Uh, drive within me to capture special moments. Uh, but yeah, I do have two. You want me to throw something out? Yeah. Yep. All right. So here's something about Richard uh, that I, I've noticed in not only reading his stories, but also just talking to him. He's a little bit more experimental with the way that he states things, uh, a little bolder with some of his wording. And uh, this is definitely a very good example of it. Uh, He's he's talking <laughs> he's talking about uh, uh, he's he's a parent who lost a child, um, and and it's a can't really talk too much about the circumstances of it, but it, it, the child was lost in a way that makes him you know just very 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 sad and profoundly like wallowing in self hatred and stuff like that, and the line the line that I pulled was, I am autistic with loss, and. Um, I had mixed feelings about this quote because typically something like that that's so kind of brash is is something that takes me away from the story, but it, it worked really well in this particular story um, just to, to convey the profound like the profound nature of his, his feelings. So I had to give him props for that. I can't imagine anybody else would really take a line in that direction, and it's kind of risky, but I think it paid off. I like that line, too. Yeah. All right, my first quote is from uh, the story Ten Steps. Uh, I'm not going to set this up. I think that this speaks on its own. I can't stand looking at his needy little face, he says, walking towards the fridge. He's your son. How can you say that? Ask my dad. He can explain it to you. Which I thought was a, a great conversation that a mother and father are having about a child. Not a great conversation, but that conveyed a lot right. in a very, very small um, period of time there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the The only other quote that I have actually a little bit takes Richard to task, <laughs> so I almost feel bad with it. But um, I'm gonna do it anyway. What the hell? I think Richard. We know Richard well enough that he'll forgive me for for pointing out this uh, little little faux pas, or at least I see it. Maybe that was a stylistic choice. But uh, it's from the story Underground Wonderbound, and uh, the line just says, "The distant bass of music 
in the distance. Like it's it's part of the the overall line, but it's the distant bass of music in the distance. And uh, what bothers me is the word distant is used, actually, ironically, very close to the word distant. <laughs> <laughs> Your issue isn't that it's used twice; is that it's used really close together. Yeah, the <laughs> okay. there's not enough distance between distant and distance. <laughs> so, yeah, that's all I got. Well, there you go. Um, I have a uh, one other note. I'm also an See, now I'm jumping on the bandwagon. I wasn't going to mention this, but apparently uh, there's there's a, a line in a in a story where where a guy is uh, is really kind of pissed off at, at a guy who. Uh, who works at a Kinko's and he starts, uh, he's basically talking about him. He says, uh, you know, I'm going to read it to you and then explain to you. You'll understand right away why I'm upset with this. Uh, Hey buddy, no open containers. The guy outside Kinko's says his little blue name tag shouting, Ray, I'm a fag. I'm a doormat. I don't eat pussy. And I smoke Marlboro lights. (laughs) Yep. Mm-hmm. One of the podcasters on this show smokes Marlboro Lights. I'm not going to say which one it is. Just like to say that that person might take some offense to that line. Yeah, was it? Um, <laughs> which, uh, which, uh, which to what to which word was it? The fag or the the pussy or the whole overall? Yeah, that that somehow that guy had to smoke Marlboro Lights lumped in with all those other all those other things that uh, the character used in a very derogatory sense of the word. So, <laughs> so the fact that that. Smoking Marlboro Lights was used as a derogatory. Mm-hmm. Okay. Dude, let me okay. So let me put it like this. So take that first portion, and that says, "And I wear a Kangol." Yeah. Do you see where I'm going with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So, um, I do have one other highlighted quote that I'd like to read, and this was uh, this is just a, a nice little bit of wording that was enough for me to screenshot this on the PDF. Gray dust bunnies held congregation in a corner. The humble beginnings of an uprising at hand. Ooh, good stuff. That whole portion was really good. It was uh, it was a description of a of a room, you know, not a very nice room, and mm. uh, but that line really jumped out at me. So, so there you go. That's what I've got All from right. the PDF. Uh, yeah, PDFs, guys. I'm just gonna say, anybody who's listening to this who uh, intends to have us review one of your books, PDF at your own risk. <sighs> yeah, but we at, don't. Uh, so that the PDF takes. I mean, essentially, there's a lot of really quotable stuff in Richard Thomas's work. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that my uh, the quote that I, I said about the being autistic with loss should mm-hmm. uh, demonstrate to people that he is very creative and, and somewhat ortho- unorthodox with his words. And it's mm-hmm. something that's pretty consistent throughout the book. So don't uh, don't take our lack of quotes as this book being unquotable. I'd also like to point out that from the quotes I gave you that Richard Thomas thinks if you smoke Marlboro Lights. You're also never mind. F- yeah, pussy. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's all I want to say about that. Uh, <laughs> all right, are we done having fun at Richard Thomas's expense? Yeah, let's wrap it up. You, wanna, you want me to go? Um, Yeah, after you, cool. sir. All right, so much like our uh, review of David James Keaton's uh, Fish Bites Cop, uh, surprisingly, we've gone... 146 episodes without actually doing a full Richard Thomas review, which uh, to me is astounding because he, of all people, was one of the first authors that we had contact with. So it's surprising that it took us this long. He did have 
Um, some stuff come out between when we started the podcast and now he did that herniated roots collection. Mm-hmm. Um, we just, at that time, the schedule was just so blasted. We couldn't work it in. So glad we could finally get a Richard Thomas review on the booked podcast. And, um, as far as the book itself goes, uh, I think it's a nice sampler of the different forms that Richard can write in and, um, a great variety that doesn't clash too much. The stories themselves, I dug uh, pretty much all of them. Obviously, I had kind of a stronger connection to some than others, but uh, I, I really like Richard's style. And uh, um, overall, I think it's a really it's a it's a strong collection. So I am going to go with I'm going to do four stars for this. Um, yeah, things I liked. I liked that um, he was able to show us writing in different genres and in some cases even without a genre at all for some of the stories um again the prose is is very very solid and uh, richard thomas draws out emotion out of these characters um yeah like i said it might be a donnie booked fight to the death uh, between a few people we've we've had on this show to kind of make a decision but i know if i want something really really sad um, I could probably shoot uh, Richard Thomas a Facebook message and he could probably give me a story I haven't read that's really, really sad. He does that so well. Um, not a lot of lively stuff in this. Um, Stephen King Ate My Brain, probably the closest thing to a feel-good story. <laughs> and that one, <laughs> just by nature of its of its kind of bizarro feel. Um, uh, yeah, Desolation, uh, it's done really well uh, in in sharp contrast to... Um, David James Keaton's collection that we just read. I didn't laugh not once, um, I don't think, throughout the course of, of reading this, so it's definitely a very different kind of feel. Um, I think I'm going to echo Rob on this one. I think four stars. I, I really liked it. There we go. So. Richard Thomas booked. Yes. A layer yes, yes, of yes. Richard Thomas all over booked. Yep. So. <laughs> all right, and before we're done uh, talking about Richard till I'm sure, the next episode... Um, he's got a new role, so not only is he busy enough, um, you know, publishing stories just about goddamn everywhere that publishes stories, um, he's taken on uh, the, so he's got a couple of things going on where he's the editor of two anthologies, we mentioned that during his bio, but we have information that's fresher than his bio. He's now uh, the top guy at his own, uh, at his own imprint. Yeah, so Richard recently announced that uh, Curbside Splendor, who just uh, put together a new imprint called Dark House Press, uh, put uh richard as the editor-in-chief so he's going to be running the show over there they've already got um i think it's like four books planned out uh including i think one of them from what i understand is a collection of previously printed stories from big time authors kind of an example of like how great stories can be and then um, they've also just opened up they say i think submissions are opening june 1st for a collection called exigency um, so there is going to be, uh, open submissions for one of their first publications, uh, starting in the beginning of June. So not even a month away. Yeah. So you guys want to check that out. I'm looking forward, uh, to stuff from the, from, well, I guess that's kind of been filtered through the twisted mind of Richard Thomas. Can I just mention just cause I was looking at the notes again, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, maybe I'm not done talking about this book. Steel toed boots. Second story in the collection, yeah. The 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 story steel toed boots. Yeah, yeah. that was that was a really weird story, right? It wasn't just me. (laughs) No, it was. I'm not even gonna say what it's about because I think everyone (laughs) just needs to read that on their own. 
no and it's so like it was a very unique story um but i dug it i thought it was really good but yes it's definitely a weird story i'm sorry i just saw that in the notes that was going through our document i was like i can't believe neither one of us talked about it. it's like i, I don't even know what to say about that story well that's the I thing think, i think like, everyone should read it yeah it's so yeah i mean if you think about just like the the, the central concept of it it's brilliant like it's something that like I never would have thought of, but like as a story, it's just so awesome. Yes, for sure. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Another point two five stars. I'm, I'm four point two five because I just remembered <laughs> Steel Toe Boots is in here. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. good stuff. So, all right. We what done. else do we have? Putting oh, Richard on the shelf. Uh, yep. I want to officially retract something that I said on the. Uh, uh, cost of living episode, which nobody called me out on, but um, we talked a little bit about the movie Syrup that's coming out. That was adopted from or adapted, adopted, or adapted from the Max Berry book of the same name. And I said that the one of the main actresses in that uh, movie was from Knocked Up. Not the case. She's actually the girlfriend of Seth Rogen in Pineapple Express. Um, so I was wrong about that. And in the meantime, between when that episode posted and now, uh, no one has called me out on it, but I felt bad enough where I wanted to make that correction. And that's uh, that's very gallant of you to, to be able to admit that. <laughs> that's Actually, right. I just pulled that up on IMDb. I was looking forward to seeing it. Um, oh, never mind. It's all I got. Well, I don't know. One user review and two critic reviews. It's only averaging a 5.7. That does not bode well for Max Berry. Yikes. Well, yeah. Yeah, what can you do? Yeah, so, at any rate, I am going to see it at some point, I think. Didn't you say something weird? Like it was coming out on pay per view and then movie theaters? I think it's yeah. out already, according to this. I think so. It's a weird. It's one of those weird on demand first things, and then it has a, like a probably a limited theatrical release. Yeah. Yeah. So. What's going to be the theme of the upcoming few weeks, Livius? Uh, um, readings, readings, and more readings. Good lord! <laughs> right. So, um, go for we should it. probably do a little housekeeping yeah. first, because you're going to hear us talk about this on the next episode. Like it's new to us, so it'd be the episode after you hear this one. Um, we had a little bit of shuffling around we did with our episodes. Uh, do you remember a time when we were having trouble figuring out what our next episode was going to be, and now we have enough episodes that we can shuffle them around? Like, it's like astonishing. A, like, yeah. like cards on a blackjack table? Yeah. Um, wow, you really just transported me to a blackjack table. Aw. <laughs> uh, <laughs> God damn it. Um, first, I'd like to talk about a reading that uh, we're hoping that we're going to all things, if all the stars line up correctly... We're going to be able to bring you a reading here in the next, uh, I don't know, week or so. And that reading will be Sunday Salon Chicago, which is a reading series. But there's a reason we're heading out to this one. Rob, you want to tell them what it is? Uh, one, Mr. Rob Roberts, who we recently reviewed and even more recently interviewed. Um, but you have not recently listened to that interview <laughs> yet because the interview is not going to post until after we recently post this episode. Um, is going to be a part of that salon, the Sunday Salon uh reading along with i think it's two or three or maybe four other uh people who are all women mm -hmm. who i haven't heard of um, yes that is correct but we're going to hear from them and you're going to hear from them because uh, hopefully we're going to have all of them available on this show but mr roberts is in chicago um unfortunately i'm only able to make it to this may 19th sunday salon chicago thing so if uh if you can make it out 
That is at the Black Rock Lounge. You can Google that because I have no idea where in Chicago that is. Hmm. Um, come on out and say hello. Um, if you can't make it out to that or you don't want to see us but really want to see Robert Robert, she's going to be at the Empty Bottle with uh, Joe Mino and James Greer on May 21st. And then at the Bookseller, May 22nd. Uh, and that's with Therese Zvoboda and Rue Freeman. Yeah, big fan of uh, the, the Bookseller. It's a nice little bookstore that I talk a little bit about. And then I kind of explained the town or the, the neighborhood it's in to Rob Robert's, which was... In the future. Uh, yeah, in the future, but in the past. Yes. Yeah, I think we were recording this in the TARDIS or something. I totally yes. made a Doctor Who reference. I don't even understand it. I got it. I heard it. It was awesome. See, and that's what I'm saying. I can make those about, about um, God damn it, that Back to the Future. <laughs> Another time travel. Yeah. We're, yes. <laughs> we all have our time. I guess there's like a, it's kind of like the Beatles or the Rolling Stones. Like you're either Doctor Who or Back to the Future. Am I, yeah. am I yes. wrong about that? Yes. Yes. No, I think you're correct. Um, spiking my jealousy and um, just like self-loathing and hatred for the fact that I have a day job is the fact that there's another noir at the bar that we're missing that's going to be awesome, uh, featuring Matt Kint, Fred Venturini, and David James Keaton, which is going to be Friday, May 17th, so uh, mere days after this episode is posting. So if you are anywhere near there, highly recommend seeing David James Keaton perform live because there's really nothing like it. There's something that's tickling the back of my brain about this next statement I'm going to make. Um, Jed Ayers posted on Twitter that he was trying to get a S.H.I.E.L.D. cast, the the TV show, the Mm -hmm. S.H.I.E.L.D. cast member at that. Did he mention to us that he knows somebody from the S.H.I.E.L.D. previously? Because when I read that, I was like, oh, yeah, Jed. I was like, oh, no, I don't remember. Like, it was one of those things, like, instantly it sparked something. No, Nothing's ringing a bell. But, I mean, it it would make sense because of, like, I mean, him and Scott Phillips are both kind of in that kind of TV world, writing scripts and stuff. and mm-hmm. So it would make sense. My money, my money. And it's going to be so terrible. <laughs> I'm not even, you know, I'm not even going to say it. Never mind. Also, Sean Ryan, the show, cre- the show creator, mm-hmm. uh, is a Chicago guy. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. So, so any rate, um, yes, we will be missing that along with other noir at the bars <laughs> coming up, which are going to be May 23rd in, um, Denver. A uh, very important noir at the bar there. Um, Jed is actually going to make it out to that. That is going to be in remembrance of Court McNeil, whose passing we mentioned um, here a couple episodes ago. Dude, Krista Faust is going to be there. We know what we want. What we know her from, right? Yes. No. Double D, know. double cross. Oh, that's right. <laughs> we need to read some Krista Faust. That's um, right. Booked alum Benjamin Whitmer will be the host there, um, along with Norb Vonnegut, uh, Michael Lyon, and Jed Ayers in attendance. It says in attendance, which means Jed's just going to be hanging out. I'm sure Jed will be up there doing his thing. May 26th, big day for Noir at the Bar as well. First off, New York City, hosted by Glenn Gray, who has uh, a story in Noir at the Bar too, and Todd Robinson, who is the dude at at Thuglet, the kind of like the Thuglet runner, which I have an interesting story. I haven't even told you about this, Livius. Uh, so I recently went to that Dan O'Shea reading for uh, mm-hmm. his book Penance, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I get to the the bookstore and it's just a tiny little bookshop, and I walk in the door and Dan O'Shea is to the right and he's talking to his daughter was there and there was a couple other people he's talking to, and he double takes me, and I'm thinking okay we met uh, at the Flossed screening so. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably why he did the double take, but he was in the middle of a conversation. So I just kind of went into my own thing. 
Um, and then later on, after he, did, he finished the reading, uh, I was talking to him and he said, yeah, when you walked in the door, I thought you were Todd Robinson. He's like, I thought Todd was in New York City. I didn't know why he would be out here. But apparently I look enough like Todd Robinson from Thuglet that uh, it made uh, Dan O'Shea do a double take on me. <laughs> Hold, please. <laughs> Are you look. Googling it? While, yes. while Livius Googles this guy, <laughs> um, I think it, it's going to boil down to a hat and a beard. But uh, So Glenn Gray, Todd Robinson, hosting Noir at the bar in New York City. Reading will be Scott Alderberg, J.I. Baker, Josh Bazell, Reed Farrell Coleman, uh, Keith Gilman, and oh, there's a ton of people. Good Lord. Rob Hart, who I think it's the Rob Hart from Lit Reactor, mm-hmm. Dana Cabell, Justin Porter, Todd Robinson, and Kieran Shea. Oh, and Dennis uh, Tafoya. Good Lord. There's a lot of people. I'm going to go ahead and say you do not look like um, Todd Robinson. Is it a hat and a beard? There is a hat and there is a beard. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there is a hat and a beard. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, okay, so we're not done talking about noir at the bar. Um, we're gonna have to start doing our own readings because you know Chicago's not getting a whole lot of love in this noir at the bar. No, right? We have to start setting up our own gigs. Uh, May twenty sixth, Los Angeles, the same night as New York City. So on both both coasts, um, you are going to have a noir at the bar. The LA one is going to be Eric Beatner, Stephen Blackmore. Aldo Calgagno. Um, I don't know if those three are going to be the hosts the way this is worded. They're hosting, yeah. It, yeah. It appears Dan O'Shea, Seth Harwood, Joe Clifford, and Tom Pitts will all be reading there. That's huge, dude. Yeah. Pretty big. Yeah, also, and this is, I just, I mean, Jed Ayers dropped this post on his website a few days ago mm-hmm. with like all of this information. And one thing about the Denver thing that I didn't put in, but I think it's worth mentioning, is that there's a possibility. Um, Tom Picker really might be there. Oh, very So cool. he's recovered enough to the point where he can actually possibly go out to an event, which is pretty awesome. Very nice. Someone needs to drag um, Stephen Graham Jones out of his house and take him to that, too. Yeah. So that's seven events in the month of May that if you're in Chicago, St. Louis, Denver, New York City, or L.A., um, you should absolutely do everything you can to get to one of those. Dude, those last four, they're going to have to change the name to Noir at the Bars. Noirs noirs at the Bars? Noirs at the Bars. <laughs> so, all right, moving on from that, real quickly, Rob has a book that he's mentioned, um, or he's mentioned, actually, the author, Joey Camo, on the show a, a few times. And I think um, The Girl Who Couldn't Come is probably the one that we talked about mm-hmm. um, the most early on in the show. So Rob uh, gets me on the phone last week, a couple weeks ago, and he's really, really excited, wants to review this book, and he says it's the sequel to Bible Camp Bloodbath by Joey Camo. Um, you know, can we see what we can do about getting a, an advanced copy? I really want to review this. I think you'll like it. We might have a special guest for that episode that I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag on this one just yet. So I go, yeah, sure. And he goes, that's a sequel. The Bible Camp Bloodbath is really, really short, and you can read through it in like you know one or two lunches. And I, I go, I go, okay. So the other day I'm off, I'm looking at my list of things to do, and one of them is to contact the press that's doing the the sequel to this book. But I go, oh yeah, you know what, I should see if I can get this Bible Camp Bloodbath. I know Rob said it's really quick read, it'll probably be like four bucks or something, you know, to, to order on Amazon. Rob, would you like to tell them what this book is retailing for? <laughs> at the very minimum right now, uh, first of all, there's no Kindle edition available, it's only print copies. At the very minimum, the lowest price that you can buy it on Amazon for right now, $200. This makes me think piracy. So, 
Now, here's the thing. <laughs> if you have a copy of this and you want to photocopy each page for me, I'll give you like five bucks on top of the cost of the copying if you send me this so I can read it. Top top price, uh, $1,000 I saw. So anywhere. $210. Um, Rob, what did you say? It's actually like 60 pages of story, right? 63 that... pages of actual story. Yeah, there you go. I'm not going to do the math, but I can tell you that's that's like four bucks a page. Printed on uh, by CreateSpace. So uh, um, it was self-published. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's yeah. Um, here's what's going to happen. Rob has a copy. He's going to loan me. I just, wow, man. Livius <laughs> is going to sell it. <laughs> yeah, basically, I'm going to be like, dude, I'm so sorry I lost your book. <laughs> I did happen to notice that it said nine ninety nine on the cover, so here's 10 bucks to, to replace that book for you. <laughs> and then I'll be like, hey, where did you get the brand new whatever? Yeah, yeah, those are some snazzy sneakers you got on there. Where'd you, where'd you get those from? <laughs> There's like four cartons of Marlboro lights in the car. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? That's exactly what I could get for 210 bucks. Oh, so, at any rate, um, yes. Um, can you? What's the name of the the sequel that book that we wanna we wanna review? It's a really long name. I know you told me earlier. Uh, I think it's the summer the is s- over and we have we are not yes. yet saved. The summer's ended and we are not yet saved. Look for that in July, um, and we'll discuss if. A couple of years from now, a print edition of that will be worth two hundred bucks. Yeah, I'm dude. thinking. I'm thinking. I already know what my answer is going to be to that. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> All right. Uh, I have a two hundred dollar book. That's pretty awesome. You know what I could do with that two hundred dollars if I sold the book? No, no. Tell me. What could you do? I could buy literally ten booked T-shirts. You could. You'd probably have enough left over for a latte. That's right. So booked T-shirts available still, and always. There's no uh, limited quantity. They're just there. Maybe I should say there's limited quantity. So it's <laughs> I was like... just gonna. I was just gonna say that's total crap, and they are running. Oh, out Oh no, they're fast. running out. There's only a few left, so you yeah. want to get them as soon as possible. Uh, BasementShirts.com/slash/booked. Uh, there's a original booked T-shirt and a booked anthology shirt. As the anthology approaches, you want to make sure that you're wearing our swag, so that you can definitely. I don't know what I'm talking about here, but like, uh, people will be like, "It'll impress the ladies." When when our anthology goes big, mm-hmm. the way that Fifty Shades of Grey has, mm-hmm. you'll be already wearing the shirt. Um, you're good, you're gonna get the key to your city. Um, women are gonna be literally throwing themselves at you, or, or men, whichever you you know mm-hmm. you're into. Uh, so yeah, buy booked T-shirts or. After shipping and everything, all things considered, it's going to be about eighteen bucks. Can I just say that um, a couple thoughts on that? First of all, um, remember I said it impresses the ladies. I know that makes it sound like only men. Women, we really know that you guys dress to impress other ladies too. We know that we figured it out. So this works for both sexes. Get yourself a shirt, impress other ladies, regardless of what sex you are. Second of all, they will not be available forever because I just had this burst of genius, and this is going to help out not just us, Rob. But everybody that's listening right now, order yourself an $18 booked anthology shirt. At some point in the future, I promise to discontinue that shirt. Then I will immediately list several of them on Amazon for $210. Now, oh, if you yeah. already have one that you paid 18 bucks for, chances are if there's seven or eight listed, um, all under names like Liv Nedden, L Nedden, Livius N. These are going to be my usernames on Amazon <laughs> and who's selling them. Um, you can easily probably then get 60 or 70 bucks and like... Just like that, get that. So order now before I choose to discontinue them and start selling them for $210 on Amazon. Oh, that's brilliant. You're such a better salesperson than I am. 
This is this is uh, yeah the, yeah exactly. This is why th- these ideas are why we make so much money on this podcast, Rob. I just yeah. want you to know that we are rolling in it. I'm looking at my t- at my counter right on the desk right now. Mm-hmm. There's got to be f- like a buck sixty five and change at least, <laughs> and a butterfly knife. Oh, I do have a box in my possession, sort of in my possession. It's mine. I don't have it with me right now. That has fourteen dollars and pennies in it. <laughs> that I need to take to the bank. I'm not even going to say why, but I somehow wound up with $14 and pennies. Wow. Can, can I just say why? Okay, so I'm not going <laughs> to talk about where I work, but I work I work for, for a retailer, a major retailer, I mean, all over the United States. You don't have stuff. to get braggy. And there's this guy, this <laughs> douchebag, god damn it, came into our store and paid for a service and paid in uh, $6.97 in pennies. He brought in this huge it looks like a, I don't know, like a like a bottle that it, it, so it was like a smaller version of what the big water cooler bottles look like, right? And dumped out a ton of pennies on the counter and was like counting them down in like little twenty five cent stacks. I, I don't even know what he was doing, but it was almost seven bucks. So my head nearly explodes, right? And I go, God damn it! Why didn't this guy just go down the street to one of those uh, like like the grocery store has the you know you dump the change they yeah. get they take like six percent and they give you actual money comes back later with like another six dollar purchase that uses up like the remainder of his pennies so my choices are to allow my staff to count fourteen dollars worth of pennies every night until they go away or to just purchase them from my employer (laughs) and at some point i will just take them in my bank and deposit them in my account so if anybody needs fourteen dollars in pennies i will sell them to you right now at a really reasonable price of like 1375 as long as that thirteen dollars of it is paper money, <laughs> if I give you thirteen seventy five in nickels, that's a good. God. That's like an upgrade, right? It, it is. It's a lot less for me to carry around. That's like five times. I don't know less what this coins. has to do with with the podcast, but I couldn't believe I couldn't believe this guy. Not once, but twice in one day. Can I? All right. So I just want to say, I know what you're doing here, Livius. I've always held the crown of of unrelated weird stories on the podcast. <laughs> And you've hit us with two in one episode, and you found VermontHookers.net. You're trying to, you're trying to upstage me. You've seen right through. I don't me agree. I'm, I don't, so, I don't I'm so goddamn it. transparent sometimes. <sighs> yeah. All right. Tell us what's next. All right. So speaking of pennies, John Horner Jacobs booked alumni. I know this news has been around for a little while, but we're we're going to talk about it anyway. He just got an advance. For, are you ready for this? At least, because it's an undisclosed amount, at least 10 million pennies. Oh, man. That's that's a lot of trips to uh, your unnamed retailer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's John Horner Jacobs, you can come do stuff at my retailer anytime. Um, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, that's okay. So that's a six figure. Six figures is uh is what this cat just got for uh for his upcoming work that's a monica drake sized advance i want to say and it's for uh his book in the incorruptibles uh which i kind of like uh where when did i recently do this oh it was with the brian evanson thing where um he he did the lords of salem thing so i went back to see if he had talked about it at all or or hinted Mm -hmm. at it on our on our uh interview with him and i was disappointed that he had not and i was thinking oh i'm gonna get him this time so john horner jacobs was on back in september of last year and um he did talk about the incorruptibles in that uh interview and it's just a really exciting premise from what he was talking about 
I'm not going to try to pronounce this properly, but it is a uh, British publisher that uh, that picked this up. They uh, specialize in fantasy, sci-fi, and young adult genres. And uh, Golanx? Yeah, I think something like that. G-O-L-L-A-N-C-Z. I mean, who cares if you know how to pronounce it when they're paying you out six figures for a book? Yeah, it's probably pronounced either uh, Fanny or or Torch or bo- <laughs> Bollocks, maybe. I don't know. Or that word actually means Fanny Torch. Fanny Torch. <laughs> so, to illuminate the fannies when they're in the dark. Yes, when they, exactly. Well, when the knickers it. are down. <laughs> God damn it. Did you happen to see what Frank Edler posted on <laughs> No. <laughs> he commented on, on our um on our crossover episode with This Is Horror that he was impressed that I managed to go like an hour and forty minutes without saying anything offensive <laughs> about anyone British. <laughs> Which is a very, very astute observation, uh, and oh, that's, that's why we right. love Frank Edler. Oh. So, um, but anyway, back, back to John Horner Jacobs. All I can say is, and I don't like to say these things, because you know I feel about people who like down books they've never read and stuff. I'm, I'm very much against that. So this is the exact opposite of that. I am hoping that he made at least like five bucks more than Monica Drake, because I expect this book, The Incorruptibles, to be far better than Studbook. Oh man, yeah. Go back and listen to our interview because he does a great job explaining what it's mm-hmm. going to be about. But like the the core concepts that I pulled from mm-hmm. the interview were it's uh, his his publicist or his agent mm-hmm. describes it as demon punk, so much like you would have like cyberpunk or steampunk. Mm-hmm. And it's set in a world where Rome never fell, and the machines run on what he calls infernal combustion, which is essentially like. Inside of like a uh, the the shit, like the engine of like major machines and everything, mm-hmm. there's a demon that fuels the like machines, like trains and 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 stuff like that, and, like factories and things. It's a really interesting concept. It was a very cool concept, and I do remember him talking about that. Now, now that you gave me the the, the skinny on it. Um... I do think it's also interesting to listen to you talk about demon technology. <laughs> How I stumble and everything. Well, that's yeah. going to go away yeah. in editing, but uh and, and <laughs> like, what's he talking about? Rob sounded like like a, like a genius. He sounded like a scientist. That's right. Um and this is the cool thing about that too is the first of 3 books in the series. So, uh really looking forward to seeing what comes out of that. Um, I am going to almost guarantee you we're going to review that because uh, Mr. Jacobs is uh, is on our short list of people to review something new from. So I'm thinking that's going to be pretty pretty high on our list there. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, sir. All right. Now, as for what's coming up next for this podcast, um, I don't know. Fanny Torch. Last time, yeah, Fanny Torches. <laughs> <laughs> Booked Fanny Torches are now available. <laughs> Branded fanny torches. Yes, yes. They're called Golanks. Mm. Um, Before you go I, on, I want to yes. say that... Uh, I, so I had those booked stickers, and I've got one on my microphone that I use to record the podcast, and I, I've kind of give them out every now and then to people. Gave one to a co-worker who's in Seattle right now. Anybody familiar with Seattle, there is a booked sticker on the gum wall that's by Pike Place, which is very exciting for me. Um. I don't know what anything you said after there's a book sticker in Seattle, but I think that's very exciting too. Yeah. So that's uh so okay now now can I go on and talk about the next episode? Ah uh, yeah go ahead. 
All right, I have no idea what's on next. I think it's going to be a Rob Roberge <laughs> interview, but um, when you hear the Rob Roberge episode, remember, because at the end of that, we're going to tell you that next up is going to be Richard Thomas. Um, I will say this. Dan Brown Inferno is coming up um, very, very, very soon. Yeah, and um, a Sunday Salon reading. A Sunday Salon reading. Dan O'Shea book. The name of that book, sir? Penance. Penance by Dan O'Shea. Um, we've got some stuff coming up from Todd Brown in the very near future so i'm teasing a few episodes here but uh that yeah, that shining girls book that uh was recommended to us yes so uh there you go so so okay so it's basically what i'm trying to say is guys remember if you want us to review something we just told you we know what like our next seven or eight episodes are um and that's why we're sometimes a little slow on, on getting to things or books we can't get to because is uh, we just keep compiling things trying to bring you um, I don't want to say like the best because I think we passed up. Um, I'll be really honest with you. I'm a huge Joe Hill fan, and we bumped Joe Hill. Uh, a Joe Hill review. I should say that before people think we bumped <laughs> Joe Hill. If he wanted to be on the show, and it'd be really honest with you, I reached out to Joe Hill, and you know, you know what happened? Mm. Nothing. So it was a little easier to bump um, Nosferatu um, from the review list um, than I uh, initially thought it would be. But um, yeah, I mean, we bumped that to do something else. So it's not impossible that we'll change our minds on what we're doing but um is unlikely we do try to bring you some diversity we want to bring you some short fiction this month because it is short story month and i think we've uh, we've filled that quota we can move back on to some novels right that's right hey is joe hill dead to you no god damn it here's the thing with joe hill joe hill might just be brilliant okay so his first book <laughs> we're talking about joe hill anyway heart-shaped <laughs> box heart-shaped box at least the first half of that book was really goddamn scary. It really creeped me out. I like the book overall, but the first half was excellent. Then he wrote Horns, which if I really had to sit down and do a top 20 of all-time list, Horns might might just crawl in under the wire at, at, at top 20. Now remember, I've read lots and lots and lots of books, so saying something's in the top 20 is a pretty big deal. And I'm actually reading Nosferatu. I'm just reading it on my own. <laughs> um, and God damn it, this one's weird too, but weird in a very, very good way. So I'm sure there will be a mention of how I felt about it. Uh, might be a few weeks before it's done because I'm reading it in between other books. But uh, Vampire Car? Uh, yeah, I don't think the car's a vampire. Uh, we might have been a little misinformed there. Damn it. It was all my hopes. I was, re- I was seeing what I wanted to. I know, I know. But uh, so far, so good. I'm only like 20% in. Like I said, it'll be weeks before I'm done because I've got to jump into the next book we're doing. All right, well, I don't think there's anything else we can do here. No, I think I think we've run this uh, about as long as we can. All right, until whatever the hell happens next, I'm Rob Olson, and I'm Livia Snedden. Keep reading. <laughs>